This is Tim Hunzey, partner in Parallel Music Publishing and AIMP board member. Welcome to the Nashville Pubcast. Today we learn from Leslie Roberts, Ashley Gorley, Jesse Frazier, and Josh Osborne that the key to success in the music business is in the hustle. as a publisher because people are always come and trying to get me that I have to manage my time really well and 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 I've had this it's almost like I, I guess everybody calls it FOMO I have a fear of missing out and I want to help so many people you know what I'm saying and exactly but you want to manage your time and that gets really hard so uh, I know part of that's onus is on on us as the the reps of, of our companies on the creative side but uh, what's the best way now, knowing that your time's of an essence, if I want to try to approach you, is there a simple way to do that? That, Or is it just best to go through the, the front end and try to build your way through that? No, I, I meet with everyone. And, and I think a lot of people sort of understand that it's like, you don't need to call me every week. You don't need to call me every month. Are you going to write a great song once a week? No. I mean, it's... Probably not if you're if you're newer and you're just mm-hmm. you're new to the craft. But I'm like always stay in touch. It's like if I sent someone to you, I would say never make that relationship with Tim for not. If 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 I send you to him and you haven't reached out to him in six months, send him an email once every four months. Say this is what I've been up to with one song. You you always have to keep those relationships up. Same with me. I'll meet with someone and I'll sort of give them a list of things to do you need to to go out you need to start meeting people you need to to um co-write with this person or whatever it is just sort of go do it right and then make all the those relationships i i introduced you to make those 20 more because you can't keep coming back to the well and expecting me to do everything for you i can sort of get you started and tell you what you should do and then you need to just go do it It usually comes in spurts for me. It's not like there's no silence in the room. I don't deal well with that. I want somebody to be saying something. Yeah, you and I, <laughs> yeah. it's the same. That's the kind of mind. And also for me, and I kind of gather from your your rhythm, is the busier I am, the more effective I tend to mm-hmm. be. I don't do well with downtime, and it's just a natural thing. I don't think everybody can operate like yeah. me, but my wife and I pace. I'm, I just yeah. I don't. I just need something to do. Yeah. It keeps me happy. We've discussed in my house, I was like, I wish this was like I was a anesthesiologist or something where you're on fireman, whatever it is, where you go in for three days and then you leave. Like I would much rather, you know, if I didn't have kids and there weren't certain schedules, then I would rather go in Monday at nine, come back, you know, Wednesday at midnight and never come out. You know what I mean? Just right. binge Stay and then, then take a trip somewhere, you know, like, uh, it would be better that way. And, and no calls or emails or anything in that time. Like if in a perfect world, that would be great, you know, but can't do that. So. Yeah. Well, I know that's got to also be inspiring for your young writers. Again, I mean, in, in all humble humility, I, they, 
your reputation for that is what draw. I use that as an example, and you and your crew really all like Frazier's oh, the same. Like, yeah, he's great. When, yeah, he, when these kids go, I want to be like him. I said, well, you know how you got that. It's yeah. not actually tell him. I said it's not by leaving at three o'clock, even though you just said that. So now you got. But I like. Oh no, no, that, that's new. It. Now those guys oh, okay. don't have kids. They don't have somebody playing ball at four. They better stay there. There you go. I, that's I what I mean. They they know that. It's like, hey, why why would nobody should leave before me? What are y'all doing? Well, here? I so, to, my old friend Bobby Pants and I said, man, he would actually. They used to start at like nine. They he would yeah. be there at nine mostly because he probably spent the night there. But he'd start at nine and then they would take a lunch and they'd come back, yeah, no, write no, no. more, and then go have dinner and probably come back after some drinks and keep writing. It's just yep. it's a oh beast. man, I've got Will Weatherly writes uh, tape room. He's amazing. He's oh he's yeah, doing, we didn't mention him. He's, he's another doing, one. Yeah, he's doing great right now. I want to make sure I mention everybody too. But he's um so good with Kane Brown and FGL, and he's had all these you know all these great cuts. He's finally got um, a hit that's out right now. Uh, Kane Brown song "Lose It," but. I mean, he was writing till five in the morning the other day, coming back from the cane trip, yeah. and they ended up recording the song at like nine or ten or whenever they started. He's been session. working with my my young artist uh, uh, Alex Hall, and we're yeah, getting yeah, ready they, to put their they, song out. Oh, yeah, they they know they know what's up. So he's a guy. Yeah. Like if I, I you know I had a uh, I came to a basketball camp thing. My kids were playing at Belmont. It was like eight o'clock, and we had a there's an hour gap before they had another game. And I was like, Hey, I already knew he was going to say I'm at the studio. I'm like, Hey, where are you at? I got an hour. And he was like, Oh, in the studio, man. So I came over there, checked out whatever he was working on. So those guys know, I mean, they know we talk all the time, all of us. So they know what it takes, you know, that is no accident. And I don't have anybody, nobody that's, that's lazy at all, you yeah. know, um, because they know, you know, there's more, there's such a personal interaction with all of us that, when they have questions, they ask them, and they, they see us. You know, they'll see them, hear me in the other room, you know, fighting over chorus melody for three hours. And so, so they know um, what it takes to get there. Like anything in life, if we know something can go smooth in one aspect of it, we're going to at least do that because everything else could be a variable, right? Right. So if you know something works, repeat that. <laughs> so that's what it was. Yeah. So I would show door up on open, time. keep opening yeah. the door, man. It was never an artist DJ thing. It was always just th- played good music. I showed up on time. No ego. Yeah. Keep the party going. You know. Yeah. So that started happening. I met some people in town there was a girl named megan trainer that moved here from nantucket carla wallace introduced me to uh she was 17 you know super just young but amazing it was like building her own tracks and before we even met i had sent her tracks and we she was top lining on stuff before i even met her face to face she came to town shay mooney was signed to t-pain out of atlanta yeah. so before dan and shay he was doing an r&b thing uh, I got introduced to Shea through Hot Shell Array and Nash Overstreet, and those guys were doing their thing in Hot Shell Array. Toby Mack was cutting some pretty pop-friendly stuff, and my wife and Morgan Stapleton, or Morgan Hayes at the time, right. were friends, and they said, you and Chris should get together and do some pop, too, because he's sort of just around and figuring stuff out. Guy's and, got more talent in one finger oh than most God. people have in their body. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. So like there was this crew of people that were starting to surround and you know the town that were just doing different things. You know, me and Chris would get together and do soul and you know all these crazy 
pop influences. Me and Shay and Megan were doing stuff that we didn't know what it was. Um, Hot Shell Ray was kind of taken off a little bit. Toby was cutting pop songs. So he started to get a, a couple little placements. While that was happening, Seth England and I kind of came up together in the intern ranks, and he pulled me in one day and said, look, I want you to go DJ this Nelly and FGL tour. And I said, man, I don't, I don't, you know, I love, I work in country music. I love it, but I just don't know if I want to DJ a country tour. Like it just, I'm not <laughs> sure I want to do that. He's like, no, man, it'll be awesome. Trust me. This crowd's different. We got Nelly out there. This is like unprecedented. We're doing this baseball stadium, minor league park tour. And I said, look, if we can go out, if I can bring my own bus out, I'll pay for it. Do you think the boys would write with me one weekend? And they didn't know me, you know. So he said, I think they'd do that. You know, he said, forewarning, we're done. We've cut 15 sides. But I think they, you know, I think they would hook with you one weekend if you want to take that on. So took the gig, go out, I'm DJing. I ended up falling off the scaffolding one we it was a really rough tour, but it was a blast. <laughs> it just was like kind of getting used to tour life, you know. And um last weekend of the tour I rented a bus and invited Sarah Buxton and Carrie Barlow out and um I fi- I figured if Tyler and Brian were not in the mood to write at least the three of us could hang, you know, because right. Carrie was with me at Major Bob at the time. First first uh, midnight run out. I wake up at 4.30 a.m., the buses broke down. Oh, <laughs> man, you're learning. And I'm just going, oh, my God, this was the hugest mistake. This is crazy. We didn't get to the venue till 3 p.m. or something next day. I got to start DJing at 4.30 because it's a tailgate party prior to their shows. So that day's gone. <laughs> next day we wake up. None of us have their numbers. Sarah goes, wait, maybe I can, maybe I have their cell phone number from singing on their last record. I did some BGVs. We text them and just say, hey, guys, we're writing a little bit. And I think Seth probably had called and said, hey, go hang on the bus for a little bit. You know, Sympa- got the sympathy <laughs> boat yeah. on that one, right? <laughs> He's out DJing for you guys. Just go do it. Yeah. And, you know, trying to shorten up the stories a little bit. We ended up getting two cuts on the record. Just it's Sundays being one of them that I thought at the time when we're writing it going, this is awesome, but my publisher brain's going, this is sort of like a pothead anthem. Yeah, you know, like yeah. what we, It's talking about Jordan sneakers and, you know, being lazy, getting high or whatever. This, yeah. There's no way this is going to see the light of day. And then three weeks later, it's the next single, you know. So um, that happened. All these little things going, me and Stapleton were writing what we thought was pop. Crash and Burn leads me to meeting Thomas Rhett. And that relationship of meeting Dan Huff and, and working with Thomas in a production and co-writing relationship. Megan Trainer gets signed to uh, L.A. Reid. So she blows up. And the stuff that me and Dan and her did, we got two Rascal Flats cuts. Hot Shell Ray kind of took off. Toby singled a couple of my things. So this change of culture in Nashville... The country artist was different. The country artist was like you and I, where they grew up listening to different things. Guys I call like it that music without borders, man. Like I think you, we were kindred spirits in that. Like I remember meeting and talking music with you early on, and it's just like 
so many people like to put the the borders on and i just i've always listened to music like you i came up with a different uh, upbringing of i loved rock and then i played in an r&b band and i'm just never thought of it you know i have right. great respect for all of it sure but it's, it's that's what's so crazy man and uh I think a generation of us started coming up looking at it a little differently, for sure. Absolutely. We had different influences. Technology was different. It allowed you to have a collection easier. Yeah. Yeah. Access is good. When you didn't have to pay nine bucks, even though uh, I I bite my tongue as I say that. I mean, (laughs) I miss miss the Tower Records days. I do. And I miss the having that big CD binder behind your truck seat, you know? But at the same time, the ability to literally, I could pull, pull up smoky robinson song and then go into post malone on spotify you know that's like a jukebox in our hands know the business side and you have to be involved and you're on nsai board right. if that ever creeps in or are you able to keep a good distance on that and not allow that because it is sometimes hard to look at numbers and see all that stuff and deal with the business side and then still go on and be creative i deal with that because right. i'll be in the middle of pitching songs and then i got to deal with a lawyer or something it kind of right kind of clicked you out of that mindset do you struggle with any of that um, or you don't have to get yes and no I, I i'm i feel like i'm really good at keeping my head down because again, I wrote so long where I made no money yeah. and I was broke. And the bigger concern was, am I going to have a car? Am I going to have a house? I think I'm just used to keeping my head down. Um, yeah, if I let myself go down the rabbit hole yeah. of wait, this is doing what? And even you know, Red Akins always talks about that. If you ever sit down and really think about how many songs you write versus how many get cut, you would just drive yourself crazy and you'd be like, I'm never yeah. writing another song. But um, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing and, and shutting that part off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost a necessity. It's like a defense mechanism of not. I tell my don't pay too much attention because yep. every now and again they'll do these things where they show what sales are. Or oh, they'll yeah. do something at ASCAP and the writers come back all kind of depressed. I'm like, Absolutely. don't listen to then it. Don't listen. Because yeah. guess what? We're based on dreams. None of this should be possible, Absolutely. honestly. None Absolutely. of this should happen. Absolutely. But it does. I always tell people, like, that, that's one of the things from being in the business a while. I always try to give some sort of wisdom to like younger writers. And this is before we, I was at Smack. I would speak at Belmont or whatever. And I would say, you have to do this job because you love the process. Because if you're doing it for the money, you're never going to be happy. Right. Because like, and then that's even if you have Ashley Gorley numbers and all that, you're still not going to be happy. If you're doing it because I want to make $100 million, you can get $100 million, you're still not going to be happy. Right. Like, I think you have to do it because you love the process. And I, I'm with you. You have to shut that stuff off. If you go and listen to this stuff and it depresses you and makes you not want to write, then don't go listen yeah. to that stuff. Because <laughs> your goal is to come in and write a song. You're not writing a song just for money. Like, yeah. you're writing a song hoping that it's successful. You're writing a song to write a song. You're writing a song to do something that a song did to you. That's why you're doing it. And if you're doing it just for money, man, go become a doctor. Or go, you know, whatever, go become a lawyer or something where you actually make real money. Like, this this career is not a for the faint of heart. Like, I think you should do it because you love doing it. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't look at my bank account either, generally. <laughs> Just keep moving, keep moving, working for the dream. But I, it's those moments where I hear that song. For me, my, I can be having the worst day, and one of my writers will put in a song and play me the new song. Well, they don't put it in. They'll email it to me. <laughs> And then exactly. I listen to it, and the hair on my arm stands up, and all my whole world just got better at that very yeah. moment. And that's got to be on y'all's end. That's because you, you have the soul. You have yeah. the soul of a of a music person, and that's what you have to have. Thanks for listening to the Nashville AIMP Pubcast. For more information, check out AIMP.org or follow us at Nashville AIMP on Instagram. The Nashville AIMP would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Jamber and Sound Exchange. Jamber wants to know if you're looking for an easier way to capture song splits at the point of creation and organizing your catalog. Jamber is our podcast sponsor, and they are offering listeners a first look at their songwriter and publisher apps that allow songwriters to collaborate when inspiration strikes. Go to jamber.com forward slash AIMP to sign up today. Sound Exchange develops business solutions for the entire music industry. They collect and distribute royalties on behalf of more than 155,000 recording artists, master right owners, and music publishers. Sound Exchange have paid out more than $5 billion in royalties. SX Works serves the licensing and administration needs of music publishers around the world and operates CMRRA which represents music publishers and administers mechanical rights for the majority of songs recorded, sold, and broadcast in Canada. We appreciate you listening to the Nashville Pubcast. Stay tuned for our all-new episode next week.